You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. On this episode, we're going to answer the question, did God create sin? So sin came into the world, and there are two ways that we can look at this. Either uh, God knew it was coming, and because he's all-powerful, he didn't stop it, or God didn't know it was coming, and it was a surprise to him. There are problems with each of those. So the question becomes, why did God allow sin to come into the world? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy. I'm a part of the leadership team here at Christ Community Chapel. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and Zach Wyrock, who's another member of our leadership team. Our question today is, did God create sin? So really the, the root of the question is, how did sin come to be in the world? Because uh, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, then either he knew it was going to happen and didn't stop it, or it surprised him, neither of which are necessarily satisfactory answers for the person asking that question. So uh, did God create sin? Did he allow it? Or how did how did that all play out? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think it, it, it butts up against something that is just true of the Bible in general. That is not an answer to the question, but it's a good place to start. And that is to just remember that the goal of the Bible is not to exhaust the knowledge of God or the knowledge of what God is doing in the world. We are not God, and therefore we cannot possibly contain all the knowledge of God or all the ways of God, that uh, if God were to attempt to fit those things in our heads, our heads would explode. So the Bible's purpose is not to give us all the answers to all the questions, but rather to point us to the, th- the things that God is doing in and through uh, Jesus Christ. So, for example, in the opening book of the Bible, in Genesis 3, uh, we see that sin enters the world through the temptation of the, from the serpent to Eve, and that God is not involved. You know, you don't see God telling the snake, now's the time for you to go do that thing we talk about, or uh, God kind of sitting at a, from a distance, rubbing his hands together and saying, perfect, the plan is coming together, just perfect. You don't, you don't see any of that. You're not told any of that. And so I think the simple answer to, to did God create sin is no, but I understand when you give the simple answer, then the ripple effect is all these other questions. Then why didn't he stop it? Why, why did it go the way it did? And so forth. But I do think it's important to say that if, if all you had were the first three chapters of Genesis— the answer very clearly would be no. Yeah, I agree. And the, the, uh, one of the ways that the Bible um, helps to try to communicate information without having our heads explode is through a, what we would call a paradox. Um, there are poles that the Bible gives us, and they say, and the Bible will say that both these things are true. One of the paradoxes is that God is sovereign which means that he is in control of everything. And the other uh, poll is that uh, mankind, there is freedom. You know, Throughout the Bible, there are these two things that play on each other. Uh, there is always uh, a command or a, uh, an invitation for us to choose, but there is uh, always on the other side uh, this uh, basic truth that nothing is outside of God's control. Nothing takes God by surprise. And so we wrestle with in between those two things. So I think when we're, when we're talking about whether God, uh, why God allowed sin 
uh, to exist. I think it happens in between those two poles. And one of the things is uh, freedom is something, real freedom uh, within the sovereignty of God is something that is very, very difficult for us to figure out and to understand in such a way that we can fold it up, put it in our pocket and say, that explains it. Yeah, but, like you said, but the Bible affirms both of them. Right. You see this maybe best in narrative, just because it's such a difficult concept. So you think of like the story of Abraham, right, where God will say to Abram, start walking, I'm going to make you into a great nation, (laughs) right? And and he just says it, I'm going to do it. It's not contingent, like, hey, Abram, if you get it right, if you obey, it's just like, hey, start walking, I'm going to do this. And yet you also see numerous times in Abraham's story where he gets it wrong. You know, he's scared of Pharaoh, so he says his wife's his sister. He's scared of another ruler. He says his wife's his sister. He sleeps with his wife's um, maidservant, right? right? And yet in all these mistakes, you never get the sense in the narrative that God is rattled yeah, or that he's Just ill-prepared. Going back, to, going or, back to the drawing board. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, in these stories, you see both. Moses has to choose to trust God to go face down Pharaoh, uh, and yet... Uh, it is very clear that's what God's doing. <laughs> From the very beginning of the story, when his mom puts him in a basket and floats him down the river, and you think, well, that's not going to work. And it works because God is sovereign. So in a lot of these stories, you see those two poles. The other thing I think the Bible tells us is that there is a difference theologically, and, and a lot of theologians will say this, between God's will of decree and God's permissible will. In other words, there's a difference between what God actively decrees, this will happen, and what he allows to happen. Now, he is ultimately doing both of those things, but there is a difference between God saying, I'm going to do this, and saying, I'm going to allow this, and sin falls into the latter category of he permitted it to happen, he did not decree it to happen. Let me uh, use this illustration, see if this, what you think about this, Zach and Jimmy. Um, Sometimes when I'm trying to explain how God would permit uh, sin, I use the illustration of when I taught my kids how to ride their bikes without training wheels. And I would always put uh, whichever kid it was, let's say it was Jeremy, put him in a thick sweatshirt. I would <laughs> for, run behind him. Yeah. Well, I'd run behind him so I could grab, so I could hold onto oh, the okay. sweatshirt. <laughs> and I would run behind him. And, and as long as I was holding onto him, he would not fall. Uh, that That was kind of my commitment to him. But after a time... Each one of my kids did this. Each one of my kids said, Dad, let me do it on my own. Yeah, because they weren't right. really riding their bike. Right. And as soon as I would, and I'd say, okay. And I, as soon as I'd let them know, I would know because I'd done it before <laughs> that they were going to fall. Yes. It was just a matter of time then. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't want them to fall. I didn't make them fall. Part of their ability, part of their, uh, their experience of one, to ride their bikes on their own, to be free, a free child, then gave them the uh, the opportunity to fall, which, in fact, each one of my kids did. I, I think uh, what that makes me think is that, you know, as a father in that situation, you did some calculus in your mind where you said, okay, I know that in the short term, they're going to fall. But in the long term, when they learn to ride their bike, uh, that they're going to have something better than what they had before. And maybe the logic that follows there is that even if we don't understand the reasoning that somehow through sin coming into the world, 
things are better now than they well, I've been through too many seminary classes to. <laughs> yeah, to I think the challenge sense. to this is, is this because I know if you're listening, if you're someone listening and you're just listening to what Jimmy was saying, you're saying, well, wait a minute, you're telling me that things like the Holocaust or, you know, a crime that was perpetrated against me or my family or whatever, sickness and, and death, and that, that somehow that was good that God, you know, you know, that that, or in some kind of calculus, God said, well, I need that evil plus this evil to equal a good or whatever. I think it's important to remember that the main character of the Bible is not us. Right. That's very important, that the main character of the Bible is Jesus. And that that the whole point of the universe, Colossians tell me tells me all things were made by him and and through him and for him. Everything exists for the glory of Jesus. And the glory of Jesus was going to be made manifest as the the redeemer, the savior of God's people, that that there would be sin, that he would come and he would live sinlessly and he would die sacrificially and he would raise triumphantly, and that the universe and you know you get Revelation 5 and all the nations gathered around Jesus and they're celebrating Jesus. And that's the point. And like any movie, right, if I'm gonna make a film, I have to have conflict for the hero and the hero's story to, to matter to you, right? That that in any movie, any novel, any that the way I'm going to show you the the triumphant nature of the main character is I'm going to introduce conflict, and then I'm going to have them rise to meet that challenge. And I think when you understand it that way, that God allowed sin into the world in order that Jesus might rightfully gain the glory that is His as Redeemer, that the chief end of the Bible, the chief end of God, is is not the happiness of of people, but the glory of Christ. Now, in God's grace and His incredible affection and mercy for us, He has made it so that Jesus' glory and my joy are ultimately connected, right? right? So that by believing in Christ, we become united so that as He is made famous, I also win. That's right? the only way they're connected, though, right? That's right. Because if yeah. we do the joy, my joy yeah. is the most important thing, then he doesn't I, get his glory. I lose both, That's right? right. He and, doesn't and get glorified. A lot of times right. when we ask this question, why did God let sin in the world? What we're really saying is, as I butt up against sin, my own sin or someone else's, it does not make me happy. Right. So why didn't God give me a sinless or, world to swim in? Or it's in? even a cynical way of saying, you know, why does it seem like uh, God is the the one who writes the exam, so why would he write an exam that everybody will fail? Yeah. yeah. So I think the, the thing is to say that here's what God here's what God God is doing. He is passionately committed to the glory of his own son. Now the amazing mystery of the gospel is that that glory is going to come through the rescue of sinners like me. So praise God for that, because that's my that's for my good. But it is not my good, ultimately, that is God's driving uh, motivation. His driving motivation is the glory of the Son. Now, you, you might say, well, that sounds off, but here's why that's good. Because if my relationship to God is buried in his commitment to his own Son— then here's what I know. His affection for me will never, it will only go away when his affection for his own son goes away. When he, when God no longer cares about the glory of Jesus, he will no longer care about rescuing me. You say, well, that'll never happen. Well, that's, that's the point. That's the glory of the gospel. But I think if you read the Bible with yourself as the main character, then this question is going to wreck you. But when you realize that, that God permitted sin in order that the glory of his son might be made manifest, 
you start to see where and why, to quote Jesus' Storybook Bible, which I think I quote all the time on this podcast, is to say that the, that the things will be all the better, right, uh, for having once been so sad. There is a climax that is coming, and that climax is predicated on the conflict that the story makes manifest called sin. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.